Alright, let's come before God in prayer. Let's ask for his blessing as we come before his word. Heavenly Father, we have put our hope in your word, and so you are our refuge and shield this morning. Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit and increase our hope in you as a result of looking at your word together. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning I've been given the subject of marriage, and of course there's many things we could say about marriage, but one of the things that I thought I'd focus on this morning is that uh, ways of strengthening our marriage, and particularly uh, the way we can strengthen our marriage with our tongues, with our speech, the way that we speak. And we had that passage read for us before from uh, James chapter 3, uh, where it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness, which points out the fact that we can use our tongues to hurt our marriages or to strengthen our marriages. Uh, the tongue has a great power over marriage. It can even destroy marriage. The tongue can say, I want a divorce, as well as say, I love you. And so we see with the tongue, we see this uh, this almost contradiction uh, that uh, we saw in James that it says about a spring that produces salt water uh, it's a salt water spring but it can produce fresh water we think that this should not be but with the tongue we see this contradiction that goes on where we can use the tongue to destroy or to strengthen a marriage now the question then is does the Bible encourage loving speech within marriage and the answer to that of course is yes and one of the clearest ways that we see the tongue strengthening marriage by speech is, of course, in the book of Song of Songs. And so that's what we'll be looking at uh, primarily today, the book of Song of Songs. Uh, so I encourage you to turn to that now, uh, which is, uh, we don't have pew Bibles here, do we? Um, so there you go, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah. So Song of Songs, after Ecclesiastes, if you know Psalms in the middle, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. And Song of Songs is a book that uh, is often overlooked, uh, but it has been very popular in, in history, particularly with the Reformers and uh, with the Puritans. And we see in it that it is a, a very holy book. I love uh, what Rabbi Akiva said. He says, God, all the writings are holy, all the scripture writings are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. Uh, it's a book that is filled with poetry and with loving words between a man and a woman and particularly between a groom and his bride, a husband and his wife. And so we see that loving words are exemplified in the Song of Songs and I could have turned to many passages within in the Song of Songs but the one that I wanted us to uh, look at firstly is the one that comes from the man towards the woman. And so we see this in chapter 4 of Song of Songs. Turn with me to chapter 4 and I'll read from verse 1 through to verse 15. And here is one of the greatest examples we have in scripture of a man speaking lovingly uh, to his bride, to his wife. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Song of Songs. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, not one of them is alone. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon, your mouth is lovely. 
Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with elegance. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. All oh, beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest of Amana, from the top of Samir, the summit of Hermon, from the lion's dens and the mountain haunts of the leopards. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like that of Lebanon. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits, with henna and nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with every kind of incense tree, with myrrh and aloes, and all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. Wonderful speech there from this man to his bride. And we as husbands who may be in this room now, we have to ask ourselves this question. Have we ever spoken words like this to our wife? Have we ever spoken anything that even comes close to it? I think few of us could say yes to that question. But then the wives, you don't get off either. Uh, here's an example that God gives you of a, a bride speaking back to her groom. Look with me at chapter 5, verse 10, a few verses over from where we left off. Chapter 5, verse 10, where the bride responds. What does she have to say with her tongue to her beloved? Verse 10 of chapter 5, my lover is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with chrysolite. His body is like polished ivory decorated with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my lover, this my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Wives, do you say such things to your husband? Maybe on an anniversary card? But what about the rest of the time? What about positive comments day to day? Do you make them to your husbands? But you may have an objection. Wives may say, oh, my husband, he doesn't have hair that is wavy and black as a raven. He may not even have much hair. So I can't really say that in all honesty. And husbands may say, my 
wife's mouth isn't particularly lovely when she's snarling at me, and so how am I expected to say such things to her? Or you may claim the person that I'm married to is no longer the person that I married. In fact, I consider my spouse now to be more of an enemy than a spouse. But does hostility from a spouse towards you mean that you don't have to speak lovingly to your spouse any longer? Jesus says, love your enemies. So even if you consider your spouse to be your enemy these days, you're supposed to still speak to her or him lovingly. Unless your spouse is the devil incarnate, there is something positive about that person that you can still say and speak lovingly to them. But another objection you may have is, well, I can't speak very well and I certainly can't write poetry. Well, me either. But I try. I'll give you an example. In June 2018, I sent Jill an email with a composition. Here's my my poetic ability being displayed for you now. Roses are red, the small bird flew, cake is delectable, and so are you. (laughs) Now that possibly says more about my idea of cake and about a bird that flew just so that I'd have something that rhymes with you. But it's interesting. It works, at least with Jill. A few hours later, this is back in June 2018, didn't take a long, she wrote back, or thank you, dot, 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 dot. Not sure what's implied by the dot, 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 but she at least said thank you, and the or, I think, shows an appreciation for my poetic abilities nonetheless. So do you see, we don't have to be as poetic as Solomon. This, this part of scripture can humble us as we see the love between these two people and we think, how can I express that? But we don't have to be as poetic as scripture. We can try in other ways to express love with our mouths, the, uh, not just with poetry. The words, I love you, require very little work, but strengthen a marriage marvellously. Also, you can try, I like the way you, and then fill in the blank. And that strengthens a marriage. Or what about saying, put your feet up, you deserve it. That's a very loving thing to say to a spouse. Or even just common courtesy, please and thank you. There's loving speech in the home that we often will use with strangers but we won't use with our spouse. And here's a loving speech for you. The two words, you're right. It requires swallowing of pride to do so. But those two words, well, really, realistically three, um, you are right, you're right. Those words can strengthen a marriage wonderfully if you'll just bring yourself to say them. But we shouldn't just watch our words when we try and strengthen our marriage with our tongue. We should also watch our tone as well. Please and your right can be said in an unloving way. Would you please do that? It's not a loving way to say it. We're saying, yes, you're right. So we have to be careful that we don't just say the right words, but we use the right tone as well. So husbands and wives, spouses that are here this morning, do you want stronger marriages? Do you want more joy-filled marriages? Then I think we have a lot to learn from the Song of Songs. 
we can learn there that a happier marriage comes by the way that we speak to one another. But is there no greater reason to speak lovingly to our spouse than to have a happier marriage? Is that what we've come here this morning, is to hear a sermon on marriage so that we can have really happy marriages? And so I've given you one tip, just one tip this morning. I could have spoken on so many different things. I've given you one tip as to how you can have a happier marriage, a stronger marriage. What's the greatest reason why spouses should speak lovingly? It's because it displays the glorious gospel that we hold so dearly. We must remember that every marriage, every earthly marriage between a man and a woman is simply a shadow of the superior marriage, the true marriage, the real marriage, which is between Christ and his bride, the church. In Ephesians 5, that passage we know so well, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The true marriage is between Christ and his church. The love of Christ for his church is very difficult for us to fathom. Have we ever truly plumbed the depths of God's love for us? And so God has actually given us ways of knowing his love in a clearer way. And one of those ways is by earthly marriages. Earthly marriages, the purpose of an earthly marriage is to help us to understand God's love for us. God gives us different illustrations of his love and one of those is the marriages that we have on earth. Our marriages really are like little photographs of the true marriage. We in our home, we have, of course, photos up on the wall and in albums of when the day when Jill and myself got married, and they're very good to look at. I like looking at them. But they don't replace the actual marriage relationship that I have with my wife. They're little shadows, they're little uh, uh, memorabilia of my true marriage, which is with Jill. And so even the best human marriages here on earth they pale against the real thing, but they do help us to see the real marriage, the true marriage between Christ and the church. So Song of Songs shows the extent of the intimacy of human marriage to point us to the even greater intimacy we have with Christ as our true groom. But you may be saying, but does our heavenly groom really speak lovingly to his bride? And the answer is yes. Many people would actually take the Song of Songs as God, Jesus, our groom, speaking to us and then the church responding. And so you can read through the book of Song of Songs and have Jesus in your mind as you read the passage where the lover speaks and then have the church in your mind or yourself. You can put yourself in, in the beloved's uh, speech as it comes through and see that as going back to the Lord Jesus. But there are many, many passages that speak of Christ's love for his bride, that speak of God's love. We look at Jeremiah verse 31, uh, chapter 31, verse 3. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's God speaking to his people. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. That's a groom speaking to his bride. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That is, once again, Scripture from God where He is describing His bride in glowing terms. God definitely speaks lovingly to His bride. Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 5 also has another one. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I know many members of the Bride of Christ who cherish that verse. When they have had others leave and forsake them, they then fall back on Hebrews 13, verse 5, and hear their groom say to them again, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And this is what Jesus says to dirty rotters like we are. You think you don't des- you, your spouse doesn't deserve to hear anything loving come from you after the way they've treated you. Well, think of the way you've treated Christ and he continues to speak lovingly to you. And then we as Christians, we see examples in the Bible again and again of the bride responding in loving speech also to the heavenly groom. There are many examples, particularly the book of Psalms. Just think of David in the way that he speaks as part of the bride of Christ, speaking to his groom. Psalm 18, which is one of my favourite psalms, it opens with, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. Can you hear the bride speaking to the groom there? In glowing and loving terms. So husbands and wives, do you realise the damage you do to the gospel when you don't speak lovingly to your spouse? If earthly marriages aren't loving, Christ calling us his bride starts to have little impact. People think, what does it mean then? That's not a very special relationship. That's not a very loving relationship. I see what marriage is like in this world. And so when God says that we're his bride, when Jesus calls us his bride, it has little impact for me. And people start to lose their view of the beauty of Christ's relationship with his church. Whereas if we have loving marriages, it causes people to delight in the fact that God calls us his bride. When we see how wonderful marriage is in the relationships around us, we want that for ourselves between Christ and us. So if we are married, we must see ourselves as that photograph of the true marriage. And we must be seeking to make sure that our photograph of the true marriage, our little marriages, are good quality photos of the true and real marriage between Christ and the church. We want to have so many megapixels on our marriage that people could zoom into different aspects of our marriage and see all these glowing things about this is what it means when Christ loves us as his bride. We may even want to upgrade our marriages to video rather than just a photograph. And 4K video. We work on them so hard that when people see our marriage, it's like watching a 4K video of Christ's relationship with his church. That's what we should be wanting. That's why we should speak lovingly to our spouses. Not because 
ultimately we want a happier and more joy-filled marriage. No, we want to display Christ's love for the church so that people can look at it and say, I want that with God. But what about if you're unmarried and you're here today? What lesson is there for you? Well, I actually hope all of us in this room are married today. That there are no singles amongst us. Because if you're truly unmarried and you're here today, that means you're unconverted. That means you don't have a groom. You don't have a heavenly spouse. Do you realise that? If you're not a Christian, you're the only ones who are single here today. But if you are a Christian, then Christ is your groom. If you're here today and you don't know what it is to hear from Christ, I love you. Hear Christ saying to you, I love you. Then come to Christ now. Come to Christ now. Don't you want to be married to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who reigns supreme? To have him treat you as his bride? You consider the marriages you've seen around you. Consider the ones that you really enjoy to watch and see the love of the people between them. Consider you can have that if you will come to Christ in repentance and faith. Children too, you can come to Christ and be married to Christ even at a young age. We don't generally encourage underage marriage in our churches, but in this instance we do. We want children to get married as young as possible to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, if you're a child now, you can have Jesus look after you like a husband looks after a wife for the rest of your life, starting today, if you will come to him in repentance and faith. Even if you're happily married and you're here today and you've got a great husband or wife, realise it's a pale replica to being married to Christ. It's like having a photograph of a great marriage, but not having the real thing. Don't be content to simply be married to another person on this earth. Crave being married to a person who is in heaven and who will look after you as a bride. Make today your wedding day if you are truly single and you're here today. If you're unconverted, make today, this day, your wedding day. Come to Christ now. Commit to him in repentance and faith. And trust in him and then bask in the love of the King of Kings as a groom towards you, his bride. Jesus says, I love you every night to his spouse if you will simply have ears to listen and come to him. And then all of us who are married to Christ, what should we do? Well, let's respond to the love of our heavenly groom with loving speech of our own. Christ delights in telling us he loves us. We should respond with adoring love as well. Do you do that? Do you speak to God in prayer? And tell him how much you love him and how much you admire about him. Think back to the Song of Songs and think of the, the, the bride there and how she speaks in glowing terms of her husband. 
Do we do that to Christ? Do you admire Christ and tell him how much you admire him? Or does he have to draw it out of you like he did with Simon Peter so many years ago? Look with me at John 21 for a bad example of how to respond to Christ when he's looking for loving terms. John 21 verse 15 John 21 verse 15, the Lord Jesus has come back to life. Uh, He has appeared to his disciples and then he appears to them again at the Sea of Tiberias as they're out fishing and he has has breakfast there with them and then when they'd finished eating, we read in verse 15 that he has Simon Peter on his own and it says, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And what's his response? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. That sounds like one of those uh, responses that a spouse gives to when the wife says, well, we'll think of husbands here, we'll get heavy on the husbands. The husbands are there and the wife says, do you love me? He says, yeah, you know I love you. He won't bring himself to actually say the words, I love you. And so what does Jesus say? Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He still won't say it. I love you. He won't bring himself to say it. You know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He still won't bring himself to say the words directly, I love you. And even though he's alluded to the fact that, of course, he loves him, you know that Jesus, he's hurt when it has to come out three times. Are we that way when it comes to God? We say, yes, of course I've said to him at some point in the past, I love you, I appreciate you, I admire you. But does he really want to hear me say it again and again and again? Now there's different reasons why I think the Lord Jesus is doing this here, but I think it's a very good example for us of the way that we're continually meant to come back to the Lord Jesus and tell him how much we love him. Now, you may be saying, okay, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. You know how to pray, don't you? You're an expert. Uh, You may not be an expert in writing poetry to your wife, but I'm sure you're an expert in saying lovely things to the Lord Jesus. And so you say, I don't know what to say to Jesus. When I get there in prayer, I'm okay with asking for things. I'm okay with saying thank you for things. I can say I'm sorry for sins that I've committed. But when it comes to the adoration part of prayers, I really struggle to know what to say to God. What's my advice to you this morning? Plagiarise, plagiarise, plagiarise. I generally wouldn't encourage anyone to plagiarise, but when it comes to speaking to God, plagiarise as much as you like. When I send my little emails to Jill, my efforts of poetry, most of the time I actually plagiarise the poems and the song lyrics of others who are far better equipped to write such things than me. I just copy and paste them. I don't attribute who they're from. Uh, And so sometimes I think Jill actually thinks I wrote it, um, which is kind of a bonus, Uh, but it's just between me and her. And so I figure I don't have to abide by copyright. Um, No one else is going to see it. It's just going to be her. When we come to the Lord as well, you don't have to abide by copyright. 
just plagiarize, plagiarize, plagiarize. Plagiarize the prayers of the Bible. Go to the book of Psalms. Get stuck in there. Find prayers of adoration and use them. Don't tell God where it came from. He knows, of course. But just pick up the words there and use them towards the Lord. Use them as your prayers. Plagiarise other books of prayers, like the Valley of Vision. It's a wonderful book if you haven't seen it already. A collection of Puritan prayers that you can just pray through. Yes, the English is a bit old, but you'll get used to it after a time, and the Lord knows old English very well. So you just go for it. He doesn't have any trouble understanding what you're saying. Go for it. Just use those prayers. And use hymn books. Hymn books are easy to get access to. Now, not all hymns are very worth uh, using with the Lord. That's why the book of Psalms or parts of the Bible, they're the best uh, prayers to plagiarise. But hymn books have many, many songs in them that you can then express to the Lord. Ones you know and ones you don't know, just pick them up and away you go. Look for ones that have the second person pronoun where it says you, 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 you. Go for those and just pray them to the Lord if you're lost for words. So all of us, let's bask in marriage. It is a good and gracious gift that the Lord has given us so that we can understand our Creator's love for us. Let's promote and enjoy loving earthly marriages so that we can understand and rejoice in that relationship that Christ has. That's as spouses, yes, have loving marriages so that you and others can understand Christ's love for you. And people who are around married people, promote love within the marriages as well. If you look at the Song of Songs, the friends are there and they have lots of things to say to encourage the relationship between the bride and the groom as well. You can do that too. When someone starts speaking unlovingly about their spouse to you, shut them down. Say you shouldn't be saying that. Encourage and promote loving earthly marriages here so that the gospel comes through clearly of Christ's relationship with the church. And then let all of us who are believers promote and enjoy the heavenly marriage, a loving heavenly marriage by listening to the words of our groom who speaks to us as his church and his bride and then let's respond with loving words to our God. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of all 10,000 to my soul. Is that true for you as well? And you want to say such words to your God. I encourage you to do so. And I encourage you to do that even with me now. I want you to pray along with me in your head. I couldn't come up with a way to do this so that the the plural pronoun would work well. So I'm going to have I, I, I. It should be our, 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 but it doesn't rhyme so well. This is one of my favourite hymns that I love. It's from William Featherstone and it's called My Jesus, I Love Thee. Let's pray this to the Lord in our heads now as I read. Close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's speak to our groom, our heavenly groom who loves us dearly. Let's express some love back to him in prayer now. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. 
My gracious Redeemer, my Saviour art Thou. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love Thee because Thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love Thee for wearing the thorns on Thy brow. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. I'll love Thee in life, I will love Thee in death, and praise Thee as long as Thou lendest me breath. And say, when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Amen.